Hi everybody, it's Steve Weir, Grace Point's Pastor of Arts and Communication, and I'm here to say welcome, or welcome back, to the Grace Point Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast via iTunes or on our YouTube channel. Feel free to check out our website for all the latest information about everything going on here at Grace Point. But most importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step toward becoming a fully committed follower of Jesus Christ. Enjoy. You know, uh, when we face major life decisions, we oftentimes seek out counsel and seek input from others. Sometimes we go to a family member, sometimes we go to our parents, oftentimes we'll go to an expert. So if it's a financial issue, we'll go, we'll find a financial expert that we will seek help from. Some people, when they're facing a major life decision, go to a palm reader or a psychic or a, a fortune teller. The, the ads that promote these services sound really promising. One that I read said, um, come here for life's answers, including what to avoid in the future. I mean, that sounds pretty nice. Like, wouldn't you like to know what kind of problems to avoid in, in the future? A lot of these ads are aimed at your love life. So here's one. We're going to put this on the screen, and I didn't, I didn't change this in any way. This is actually the way that the, the ad appeared. Very detailed reading. I offers very quick and clear connection. I do clear your confusions and difficulties in your love life with my psychic abilities, and not, last but not least, I'm very accurate. I didn't change that. All right, that's, that's actually the way that was. I'm not sure that I would pick that one, but I wouldn't pick any of them. Some of these services are, are just completely bogus. I mean, they're just, they're just money-making schemes. ABC News did an undercover investigation of this some, some years ago. They had one of their reporters go undercover to become a, a psychic reader, and they reported that they, they came into this having no prior knowledge of, of occult matters. And after she was hired, she underwent a few days of training in tarot cards, astrology, and numerology. And then as she took calls, which were, you know, pay by the minute kind of calls, she, it says that she used her intuition plus code words written on tarot cards to formulate her responses to callers. She also reported this that she was instructed to permit suicidal callers to run up their bill before referring them to a legitimate suicide hotline. All right, so that's, that's just bogus, right? I mean, there's some bogus services out there. There are others, though, that have a very real spiritual dimension to them, and they're very dangerous. Some of them even mix in references to God, and so they become very deceptive. One... That, that I read said, said this, you are, an instrument, you are an instrument for your spirit to experience physical existence in which God experiences life through you. Now, I don't know if you were here last week, but we talked about the self-existence of God. Let me, let me just clear up something for you if you're fuzzy on this. God doesn't need you to experience life. Okay, but this is the kind of deception that gets mixed in with, with these kinds of services. Let, let me just be really clear about something this morning. Going to psychics, going to a fortune teller, going to a, a tarot card reader, this is direct disobedience 
to God. And, and we're, gonna, we're gonna see that this morning. We're gonna talk about the dangers of it this morning. And we're also gonna talk about where do we go for guidance? Is there a trustworthy source that we can go to? If we can't go there, where can we go for guidance? We're gonna talk about that this morning. If you take a Bible and turn with me to 1 Samuel 28. We are picking this series back up on Beloved. Most of our time this summer has been spent looking at the life of David. Many times it gets contrasted with the life of King Saul. And when we left David at the end of August, we, we saw that David spared Saul's life for a second time, which was a high point for him. I mean, it was, a, it was a point where he is completely yielding himself. He's trusting God. I mean, he had the opportunity to get rid of Saul, who had been pursuing him, trying to kill him for, for years. And instead, he trusted the Lord to take care of Saul. So that was a high point for him. Then right after that, David runs to the Philistines out of fear of Saul. He runs to the Philistines. He gets involved with them. That was a low point. He starts using deception with them. That was a low point for him. And that brought us to 1 Samuel 28, verse, verse 1. In those days, the Philistines gathered their forces for war to fight against Israel. And Achish said to David, the, the king of the Philistines, said to David, understand that you and your men are to go out with me in the army. And David said to Achish, very well, you shall know what your servant can do. And Achish said to David, very well, I will make you my bodyguard for life. And if you were here with us at the end of August, we, we noted that Dave, David has now backed himself into a corner. He, he really is not on Achish's side. He's, he's really fighting on behalf of his people. Now he's in a position where he's almost forced to fight against his own people. And we left him on that cliffhanger. And we're gonna leave him on that cliff. He's gonna hang there for just a while longer because today we're not actually looking at David again. We're looking at Saul. Um, the Philistines are mounting this major offensive against Israel, which makes Saul very nervous. So verse three. Now Samuel had died and all Israel had mourned for him and buried him in Ramah, his own city. And Saul had put the mediums and the necromancers out of the land. All right, there's two, two facts in this verse that set up what we're going to look at here today. The first is that Samuel has passed away. We saw that earlier, several chapters ago. There's a reason why it gets repeated here because again, it's setting up what we're gonna look at. So Samuel, who is the prophet, he, he's been the spiritual leader of Israel, has passed away, he's been buried. And now Saul, Saul had put the mediums and the necromancers out of the land. Well, what is a medium? A medium is someone who consults the dead on behalf of the living. They stand in the middle, if you will. That's why they're called a medium. So they're standing in the middle between the living and the dead, and they're talking back and forth, communicating back and forth between them. What's a necromancer? Pretty, pretty similar. They use sorcery uh, and witchcraft to communicate with the dead. So Saul has expelled them from the land. Why? Why did he expel them from the land? Well, because God's law commanded it. So we'll put this up on the screen, Deuteronomy chapter 18, 
when you come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominable practices of these nations. There shall not be found among you anyone who practices divination or tells fortunes or interprets omens or a sorcerer or a charmer or a medium or a necromancer or one who inquires of the dead for whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God is driving them out before you. You shall be blameless before the Lord your God for these nations which you are about to dispossess Listen to fortune tellers and to diviners, but as for you, the Lord your God has not allowed you to do this. See, God doesn't want his people going to the dead for guidance. He wants his people coming to him for for guidance. So that's the background. That's the setup for what we're looking at here today. Verse four. The Philistines assembled and came and encamped at Shunem. And Saul gathered all Israel, and they encamped at Gilboa. When Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was afraid, and his heart trembled greatly. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him, either by dreams or by Urim or by prophets. Saul sees this massive army, and he is shaking in in his boots. You may remember, if you were with us earlier in the summer, that when we got to 1 Samuel 17 and the, the scene of David and Goliath, you may remember that the Philistines were confronting the Israelites again and Goliath was, was taunting them and Saul was shaking in his boots. He was paralyzed in fear. And so all of his army behind him, paralyzed in fear. It's the same situation again. That time, David stepped up and and walking in God's power, he defeated Goliath. David is not available to Saul now. And so what's he gonna do? It says that he inquires of the Lord, verse six. When he inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him by dreams or by Urim or by prophets. God spoke in in different ways, in various ways during this time. He spoke through dreams. We, We see that often in, in the Hebrew scriptures, that God would give a direct uh, foretelling of the future or a direct command through, through a dream. God's not doing that for, for Saul right now. He's not speaking through the Urim. What's a Urim? It was a tool that was given to the priests so that Saul, so that the king or, or people could go and inquire of the Lord and the, the Urim would help to discern what God's will was. Saul's killed off almost all of the the priests. So God's not answering him that way. Or by prophets. I mean, prophets, of course, speak on behalf of the Lord. Samuel has passed away. There's a school of prophets that have been learning under him, but God's not speaking and answering Saul that way either. Why? Why is God not answering? Well, because Saul has completely breached his relationship with God. Saul stopped listening a long time ago. And and I want us to go back a few chapters because this is so important to see. So if you would keep your finger in where we're at, 28, but go back to chapter 15. This is a a passage that we actually did not uh, look at this summer because we started in chapter 16. If you by the way, if you're using a Bible there at your seat, it's page 264. 
Um, one of Saul's first assignments as king was to destroy and, and destroy the Amalekites from the land. God used the, the people of Israel as they were coming into the promised land to, to basically purge the land and cleanse the land from peoples who had lived there who had gotten so evil that they just needed to be taken out so that they could start over to be obedient to, to the Lord. And so Saul's assignment was to eradicate everything, everyone, every animal that belonged to the Amalekites. They were just to be completely purged and cleansed from, from the land. As we read this, starting in verse 13, I want you to listen for the word hear, the idea of hear and, and obey, because it's a repeated theme here. Verse 13, Samuel came to Saul. So this is after the battle where Saul has fought with the Amalekites. He defeated them, but he didn't destroy everything. Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said to him, blessed be you to the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And Samuel said, what then is this bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen that I hear? Saul said, well, they have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God, and the rest we have devoted to destruction. Then Samuel said to Saul, stop, I will tell you what the Lord said to me this night. And he said to him, speak. And Samuel said, though you are little in your own eyes, are you not the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel. And the Lord sent you on a mission and said, go, devote to destruction the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you pounce on the spoil and do what was evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I have gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me. I have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and I have devoted the Amalekites to destruction. But the people took of the spoil, sheep and oxen, the best of the things devoted to destruction, to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of divination and presumption is as iniquity and idolatry because you have rejected the word of the Lord. He has also rejected you from being king. This was the moment when Saul made the, the mistake that cost him the, the kingship and cost him the, the dynasty. God said, I'm, I'm gonna find someone else after my own heart who will be obedient, who will listen. And the, the, the theme here, there's a, there's a recurring theme actually through the whole book of 1 Samuel of hearing and listening. It's the Hebrew word shema. Um, maybe you've heard that, that word before. There's a, there's a Hebrew prayer, the Shema, in uh, Deuteronomy 6 that says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. That's a prayer that devout Jewish people to this day still say every day. Hear, listen. Some of you remember Samuel himself as a young boy hearing the voice of God, not knowing what he was hearing. And he was instructed to say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening, is hearing. That, that's a theme that keeps getting 
keeps recurring. Saul was not listening or obeying God's command. He was partially obeying it. And for God, that, that doesn't work. That, that's like having a dish that you're eating off of and you're saying, well, there's only a little bit of dirt on there. Um, so it needs to be clean. It needs to be wholehearted. And Saul is not listening. He's not obeying God. And he's not even listening when Samuel rebukes him. He's defending himself. He's trying to make his case for why he thought he did the right thing. See, when, when we stop listening to the Lord, answers stop coming. When we stop listening to what God is saying to us, what he has already said to us, God just isn't gonna answer anymore. That's, that's what we're seeing happen now back to chapter 28, when, verse six. When Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him by dreams, by Urim, by prophets. Why? Because God's like, You're, you haven't listened to me anyway. Why should I keep responding to you? You're not going to, to pay attention. You're not going to obey. Here's a lesson for, for you and me. Don't expect God to give you a special revelation about your unique situation if you're not listening to what he has already said to you. If you're not paying attention to God's commands in his word, if you're flaunting the things that he has clearly told you to do or, or not do, then don't come to him with a question about your job. Which job should I take? Which house should I buy? Where should I move to? Who should I marry? Don't come to him with those specific questions thinking that he's gonna answer you when you're not obeying what he's already given you to obey. Saul finds himself facing this army. He is desperately afraid. He wants some answers. He wants some guidance. God's not speaking, so what is he to do? I mean, he wishes he had Samuel at this moment, but Samuel is no longer available, or is he? Verse seven. Then Saul said to his servants, seek out for me a woman who is a medium that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servants said to him, behold, there is a medium at Endor. And so this is obviously incredible hypocrisy. I mean, Saul has expelled, he thought, all of the, the, the mediums, the necromancers from the land. Now he is seeking one out. I mean, God's law was very clear. I mean, you are not to go to these people for direction. God's word is also clear, by the way. We're, we're focused on mediums and tarot cards and that kind of thing this morning. God's word is also clear not to go to astrology, not to go to horoscopes. That's in other passages but that's probably the most accessible thing that we see, and you may run across that. No, nobody reads the paper anymore very much, but uh, if you're in the paper or sometimes online, you'll see a horoscope pop up. That is not harmless. Don't, don't go there. God calls us to steer clear of those things, but Saul here is so needy, he's so desperate, he is so fearful, he's so needy for reassurance, he does not listen or obey God yet again. He is being disobedient to what God has told him not to do. We, you and I need to take a lesson from this that fear makes us very vulnerable to doing foolish things. 
Sometimes we justify doing the, the most dumb things and the most clear disobedience just because we're afraid. We, we've contrasted Saul with David many times. Let's do it one, one more time here. What does David do when he is afraid? We'll put this up on the screen. Psalm 56. David says, My enemies trample on me all day long, for many attack me proudly. When I am afraid, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, God, your word, your commands, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? So what we see in David's life over and over and over again is him running to the Lord, inquiring of the Lord, and then being obedient to whatever God has called him to do. When I'm afraid, I will put my trust in you. I'm I'm not gonna run somewhere else, to anybody else, certainly not to the the occult, the evil spiritual world for, for answers. I'm gonna put my trust in you. We'll talk more specifically about how to do that at the end here this morning. Putting our trust in God is a decision of the will. It's a decision we make over and above the feeling of, of fear. But Saul, for a long time, has made it his practice to give himself over to his darker emotions, and he does it again. So his servants know that there is a medium in Endor. So they take off, go to Endor, find a village of small furry creatures that look like teddy bears. That's a Star Wars reference. Okay, I just want to see how many of you got that. He really, he really didn't, but just Endor. Anyway, verse eight. Okay, let's be serious. So Saul disguised himself and put on other garments and went, he and two men with him. And they came to the woman by night. And he said, divine for me by a spirit and bring up for me whomever I shall name to you. The woman said to him, surely you know what Saul has done, how he has cut off the mediums and the necromancers from the land. Why then are you laying a trap for my life to bring about my death? But Saul swore to her by the Lord, as the Lord lives, no punishment shall come upon you for this thing. Then the woman said, whom shall I bring up for you? He said, bring up Samuel for me. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice. And the woman said to Saul, why have you deceived me? You are Saul. The king said to her, do not be afraid. What do you see? And the woman said to Saul, I see a God coming up out of the earth. He said to her, what is his appearance? And she said, an old man is coming up and he is wrapped in a robe. And Saul knew that it was Samuel and he bowed with his face to the ground and paid homage. Then Samuel said to Saul, why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? Saul answered, I'm in great distress for the Philistines are warring against me and God has turned away from me and answers me no more either by prophets or by dreams. Therefore, I have summoned you to tell me what I shall do. And Samuel said, why then do you ask me since the Lord has turned from you and become your enemy? The Lord has done to you as he spoke by me for the Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hand and given it to your neighbor, David. Because you did not obey And that's the same word as listen or hear as Shema because you did not listen to the voice of the Lord and did not carry out his fierce wrath against Amalek. Therefore, the Lord has done this thing to you this day. Moreover, the Lord will give Israel also with you into the hand of the Philistines and tomorrow you and your sons shall be with me. The Lord will give the army of Israel also 
into the hand of the Philistines. Saul came looking for reassurance. He didn't get any. He got the opposite. He got the message, you're going to die. Tomorrow you're going to be with me. I don't think that means that he's going to be, Samuel, I'm sure, uh, when he passed from this life, went into the presence of, of the Lord. I don't think that's necessarily what Samuel means. We don't know for sure the, the ultimate destiny of, of Saul. What it means is tomorrow you're going to be in the realm of the dead, um, just as, as I am. And the message that Samuel gives him from the Lord is the exact same one that he heard before, verse 18. Because you did not obey the voice of the Lord and did not carry out his fierce wrath against Amalek, therefore the Lord has done this thing to you this, this day. Because you did not listen, because you did not hear, because you did not obey, when we stop listening, the answers stop coming. Let, let's talk about for a moment what's going on here spiritually. I mean, is this, really, is this really Samuel? I mean, does this woman have the power to call Samuel, the prophet of God, up from, from the dead? Well, we, we don't know what happens other times when this woman practices her sorcery, but we do have a sense from here that something's happening here that's very unusual because in verse uh, 12, when the woman saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice. That, that means she's like shrieking. She's screaming. She's terrified. So something's happening here that she's not used to. And she recognizes like whatever sense of control she usually has in a situation, it's, this is something very, very different. Paul tells us many years later that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So I don't think any human being practicing any kind of sorcery has the ability to call back a spirit of someone who is in God's presence. I think what is far more likely in situations of seances, um, of, of psychics who claim to be communicating with dead people, they're not communicating with a dead relative they're communicating with a demon. They're communicating with a spirit that is impersonating that person. And because spirits live in, in the background and get to observe human interaction, they know things. I mean, they can know details about people's lives. They can know names about things that can very much appear to be, that's, how else could they know that? Well, it's because they have, they have access to, to information like that. This, so in this situation, I, I believe that God is intervening here to bring one final message to Saul. So this isn't this woman having brought up Saul's or Samuel's spirit from the dead. This is God intervening to give a final message to Saul and he's, he's repeating the message that he gave before, which is, in a sense, gracious of him because he's like, I already told you this, but I'm just going to underscore it because Saul wasn't listening. And speaking of listening, let's finish out the, the chapter here, verse 20. 
Then Saul fell at once full length on the ground, filled with fear because of the words of Samuel, and there was no strength in him, for he had eaten nothing all day and all night. And the woman came to Saul, and when she saw that he was terrified, she said to him, Behold, your servant has obeyed you. She, she heard, she listened, it's that word again. I have taken my life into my hand and have listened to what you have said to me. Now therefore you also obey, listen, hear your servant. Let me set a morsel of bread before you and eat that you may have strength when you go on your way. He refused and said, I will not eat. But his servants together with the woman urged him, and he listened he finally listened, obeyed, heard their words. So he arose from the earth and sat on the bed. Now the woman had a fattened calf in the house and she quickly killed it and she took flour and kneaded it and baked unleavened bread of it and she put it before Saul and his servants and they ate. Then they arose and went away that night. Some skillful narrative here. They came in at night, they went out into the darkness. The trajectory of Saul's life is a tragedy. I mean, he started out with a lot of, of promise. He started out with God's anointing. God's spirit came on him. But he drifts further and further and further from, from God. He just drifts from goodness. He drifts from sanity. I mean, he massacres priests. He pursues David relentlessly. He tries to kill his own son. And the root of all of it is that he was too spiritually dull to hear and listen and obey the commands of God. And when we stop listening to the Lord, answers stop coming. A couple of lessons for us from this this morning. First of all, when you need direction in your life, don't expect God to give you a special revelation when you're not listening to the revelation he's already given you. And for goodness sake, if you're not hearing from, from God, do not go to a psychic, to a tarot card reader, to a fortune teller, to a seance. When you do that, you are opening yourself forces that you have no clue about. Jesus is victorious over those forces. And so Jesus can deliver you from them, but please don't open the door and invite them in because it's going to wreak a havoc in, in your life that you were not expecting. You're not going to get the kind of answer that you were wishing for. You're going to get something very different and very damaging in place of it. So where, where do we go when we need guidance for the future? When we are facing a situation and we are desperately fearful, let's go to what God has already said, first and foremost. Let's go and saturate ourselves in the word that God has already spoken and the commands that he has already given us. And so as you encounter the commands of God, especially and, and most clearly for you who are new to studying the Bible, the most clear commands to us are in the New Testament. So we can talk later and figure out which ones in the Hebrew scriptures apply to us. We, that's a little more complex. But go to the New Testament. Go to the letters of Paul. Go to Jesus in the Gospels. And as you encounter commands from him, 
say, God, with your help, with your grace, I want to be obedient to these. I want to listen. I don't want to try to explain away why they're inconvenient for me or why I'm exempt from having to obey this. I want to listen and obey. And as we are obedient to, as we are increasingly obedient, and none of this is ever going to be perfect. That's why we desperately need the grace of Jesus, which we're going to celebrate in just a moment here in communion. So I'm not saying you have to be perfect in order to hear from God, but it's a heart disposition of God. I'm going to seek your will, and then I'm going to do my best to obey your, your will. And then as we do that and we're seeking God's will on specific issues in our life, add to that, okay, don't replace it, add to that counsel from from godly people who have also spent a lot of time learning how to be obedient to God's words. And, And godly people who have learned how to listen for the Holy Spirit's direction, specific direction in their life. That would be the the other thing that you can add to that. As you become more and more familiar with what God has already said, then we ask God for specific direction in our specific life situations, and we learn how to discern what God's Holy Spirit is saying to us, which will never be in contradiction to what he has already said. That's why it's so important that we know what he already said so that we can discern when we're getting some other kind of information from the outside, does this line up with this or not? Our communion, our connection, our relationship with the Holy Spirit is the only safe way to communicate with the spirit world. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this example in scripture. We, we mourn and grieve at the example of Saul and how far he fell from obedience to you. And yet he serves us as a reminder of, of how dangerous it is to turn to the occult. And, and there's so much of our world that looks at that as uh, maybe entertaining or maybe a legitimate source of, of information and direction in life. And Father, we, we don't, we don't want to turn to the dead to find out how to live. We want to turn to you, the living God, to find out how you want us to really live and experience life in this world. Jesus, we thank you for your victory over death. We celebrate the fact that you loved us enough to die for us And we celebrate the fact that you have victory over death, victory over darkness, victory over evil. So there is no spiritual force in this world that we need to fear. But Father, help us to stay close to you. Help us to listen and learn to discern your spirit's voice so that we can be ever more obedient to you in this life, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.